0: A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash specialoffer. All lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer.
1: I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is the deal. Islanders country, hello. This is P.T. Isles, the Viva Long Island edition. I'm Isles Boggs' Joe Bono. A reminder, you can subscribe to this show and every Lighthouse Hockey podcast on iTunes. Please rate and review or find us on Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or over at LighthouseHockey.com. Lighthouse Hockey, your SB Nation home for New York Islanders coverage. Coming up, I'll be joined by Nick Persaud. Now, you may not know the name, but you likely have seen his videos on your social media timelines and gotten pretty hyped by them. He runs the Twitter account, at Isles Territory, and he will join us to talk about his video-making process and Islander fandom. But first, the Islanders bounce back after a flat performance in Montreal and return home to defeat the Vegas Golden Knights. 3-2 in overtime, Ryan Pollock, the game-winner on the power play after Matt Barzell drew a penalty at the blue line to set up the four on three for Pulak. This was his second career overtime goal. The last one happened on February 9th, 2019 over at Barclay center. And it came against his current teammate, Semyon Verlamov against the Colorado avalanche. So Verlamov a winner. Thanks to Pulak this time around here was the defenseman after the game with MSG's Shannon Hogan. Pretty well played game by both teams and it was tight all the way.
2: And, uh... Obviously, they get that power play late, and then a bit of a loose block came out to
0: me and I was able to finish it.
1: For the fans that are right here on the glass, they can see your emotion. but can you share what it's like to be in a part of a moment like that and have your teammates just jump right on top of you to celebrate?
2: Yeah, it, uh, it feels pretty good. I took an elbow right to the face, but uh, I'll take that after a big win.
1: How important was this win for your team? You've spent so much
2: time away from home, away from New York, away from the Coliseum, and you're headed right back out on the road to have a team win like this. Yeah, I mean, this is our home, uh, and, uh, you know, we know that we got to play well here, and, you know, the fans bring the energy for us, and uh, it's important to get wins when we're here.
1: And you heard Pulak talk about the importance of winning games at home, and that's something that the team has excelled at, whether they're playing in Brooklyn or at the Coliseum, now 11-0-1 in their last 12 home games. And get at this, it's the first time in the post-Cup era that they have had a home point streak of at least 12 games. Their last point streak of at least this length came in 1982, where they went 21-0-2. So a long, long way to go to catch that record. But listen, uh, the 15-game win streak uh, the Islanders had uh, back in 1982 and a point streak, that seemed like that couldn't get caught and, of course, they ended up with a 17-game point streak. So uh, we'll see if they're able to get to 23 or 24 home games uh, with a point. Um, and they're, they're, you know, they haven't lost in Barclays Center outside of the playoff games, of course, against the Carolina Hurricanes since January of 2019. Now, I know the season kind of ended at Barclays around mid-February, and their next Barclays game isn't until around mid-January. So it will be almost a full calendar year uh, potentially between losses regulation losses at Barclay Center. Um, I mentioned earlier, Matt Barzell, during that penalty that set up the power play goal. Uh, well, there was another sequence in this extra session where he held onto the puck for over 50 seconds. They may have said 54 seconds on on the broadcast. And, you know, he kept on darting in and waving it, weaving in and around and just tiring the Vegas players. And, you know, he wasn't able to muster much in terms of chances. There weren't really a lot of shot or pass opportunities. But it was just exciting and, and breathtaking nonetheless. Uh, something we were getting quite accustomed to watching Matt Barzell, especially in these overtime settings. After the game, Barzi was asked if he enjoys playing three-on-three hockey.
0: I think you guys know that. Obviously, uh, it's, it's just fun. You get to show your skills a little bit and hang on to the puck a little more. And um, I probably hung on to it a little too much tonight, but, uh, you know, again, just trying to find find holes and trying to find lazy and whatnot. But uh, they did a good job tonight.
1: And Vegas did do a good job there, uh, but again, Barzell was able to draw that penalty later on. A little bit of a scrum after the faceoff. Anders Lee was able to push the puck towards uh, Ryan Pulak, the fourth man, and uh, able to come on in, pretty much walk right in, and um, beat Suban for the overtime winner. And uh, Matt Barzell wasn't on the ice for that game, came off the bench, and, and quickly gave a face wash to Ryan Pulak after Anders Lee had already tackled him. And uh, a great celebratory moment for the Islanders on home ice at the Coliseum. And, you know, this was one of the better 60-minute games that the Islanders have played in a while. It was one of those games where you felt like they could have been up 2 or 3 nothing at certain points. And, you know, they played well after the first period. Uh, The game is scoreless, and they get that goal from Cal Clutterbuck, who, you know, every once in a while unleashes – uh, a wicked wrister, uh, and he went barred down there uh, to beat Subban. He went to holiday shopping in the toy department, as uh, Butch Goring said on the broadcast. And the Islanders had that one nothing lead, but they, they could not extend it. And then you know, Alex Tuck, who's he, he's, he's been hot, I think he has goals down in four straight games for Vegas. Um, perfect shot as he rushed down the right side that tied the game late in the second period. So the Islanders played uh, a good first and even better second and found themselves tied 1-1 um going into that going into that third period. So um and then, you know, the, the goal that put them ahead of the two one goal, it's Brock Nelson's goal, but that was really all Anthony Beauvillier. And um Arthur Staple Friday put out a piece on on Beauvillier and just how he's become this really reliable two way player for the Islanders. And he talks about how it's just been a change in mindset uh for Beauvillier this season compared to his first three in the NHL. And, you know, maybe we take for granted that in his first three years in the league, he had three separate head coaches, Capuano, then uh, full season of Doug Wade after he took over as interim coach. And then, of course, Barry Trotz last year. Um, Bovillier says, you know, quote, you're going out there, not hoping to score a goal, wanting to score a goal, wanting to shoot the puck, to win battles, make plays, just the mindset instead of just hoping to get some playing time and hoping to get a goal. It's more about going out there, having a good game, and feeling good about yourself. And, um, on that particular play, that four check set up the goal. And, you know, Brock Nelson later in the piece kind of talks about that, you know, he's betting on Bovillier to win that matchup there and kind of just putting himself in a position where he thinks he needs to be, uh, for ultimately was the one timer that put the honors up 2 one. And, you know, outside of cases, as he's really the best other four checker this team has. And, um, you know, you now you look back on his career. I know he kind of overall, point wise, last year did not crack 30 points, and you look at that a little bit as a step backwards, but he did have 18 goals, you know, after having that in the second year of scoring 20 goals uh, as a 20 year old. Um, so, you know, we'll see how he nets out this year, but right now he's on pace to be 25, 27 goals and 50, 55 points. If he puts that together, you know, that he has been that player that the Islanders needed to kind of elevate his play to get into the top six. Yes, you needed Barzell to be an even more elite top-line player, and he's shown that so far this season. But he needs other guys to kind of cement themselves as top-six quality forwards. Um, certainly they're getting the output from from Brock Nelson. Jordan Heberle is off the schneid now, uh, scoring those couple goals against Detroit. And Anthony Beauvillier continues to to chip in. And, listen, he's had certain points, I think, throughout his Islander career to this point where he's, he disappears off the score sheet for a number of period of time. You may even recall... In the year where he first scored 20 goals, he went down to Bridgeport during a period where the Islanders weren't playing games, and he played two or three games there and then came back and I think scored eight goals in seven games. So he, he has been streaky. Um, but this year, somewhat like what we saw out of Brock Nelson last year, is that even when he's not scoring, he's being noticed. And it's things like the four checks, the physicality, the full two-way game that he plays, the tenacity in which he plays, the determination uh, that he's become a very reliable player for the Islanders, and, and certainly a, a keystone um, as this team continues to build um, build towards toward their future. Um, after the game, Barry Trotz uh, overall very satisfied not only uh, with his team' performance, but just a really really good hockey game um, to watch.
0: Two very good teams that went nose to nose tonight, and it was a it was a man's game. It was fast. It was physical. It was uh, there was some uh, excellent. Uh, Play on both sides, good goaltending. You know, all the thing, all, all the elements that uh, you expect from uh, from Vegas. They just, they're a good hockey team, and if you watch them play, uh, especially through this New York area, they've been pretty dominant. So, uh, I like the way we played. We played Islander hockey tonight. We four lines. We just kept coming at them. We we stayed on the puck. We won our battles. We didn't we didn't deviate from. You know some of the predictability stuff that we we like, um, and uh, you know I I thought you know we had a really great second period and and uh, and we were tied so it was good it was a good test and um, you know we got the two points at the end so that that's what you're you're most happy about but I just right through the lineup there's you talk about guys that were going 200 feet which you have to uh, against a good team like Vegas and a uh, great atmosphere so. Uh, one of our better games of the year for sure.
1: Back to Islander hockey, back to the Islander way for Barry Trotz. And, you know, I think what's been odd here in, in the recent go for the Islanders is that, you know, the teams they've lost to are teams that are in the bottom half of the standings. And, you know, you never, you know, when you're playing well and you to, to lose games like they did to Anaheim, um, to lose games to the Kings, and then obviously lose games to Montreal, who had been struggling for a long time. Yes, these teams were due in some respects, and they're all road games. Um, but uh, the feeling that, I don't know if it was a letdown performance, and it sounds strange talking about the Islanders having letdowns when for so many years that's what other teams had to worry about playing the Islanders, now the, the shoe's on the other foot. Um, you wonder whether or not they, they get out of their game a little bit and feel like they don't need to be as disciplined um, if they're not playing a team that is at the top of the standings that they know is going to be a challenge or a team that's on par with them in terms of record. Um, and, and these are one of the things that Barry Trotz has no doubt emphasized in recent games and was very, very satisfied uh, with the 60-plus minute 60 minute, well, 60 plus minute performance um, for the Islanders uh, last night. Now, a big surprise to everyone before the game was that Rosh Johnston, yes, Rosh Johnson was on the top line with Matt Barzell and Josh Bailey. Now, what a thrill it must have been um, for those two All-Stars to play with Rosh Johnson. Um, Barry Trotz was asked after the game to explain his thinking and what he was trying to accomplish with that line. It's a it's a long answer, but I think it's a telling one and one worth listening to.
0: We tried to balance the lines out a little bit. We 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 uh tried to you know, what was happening is I, I had a couple of lines I wanted to, as I, I use the term, uh paint a Picasso when you just needed to paint the barn yeah. and uh to you guys <laughs> and uh you can tell I come from Western Canada with that one. So, um, but but you, you understand that you know trying to do things that are uh, that aren't efficient for us and and aren't winning hockey, and so we we try to spread our uh, spread the wealth a little bit through the lines. And uh, they have a big uh, heavy hockey team. Um, Ross can skate and do a lot of things that you know that, that Anders does. Is he can get to the net and he can separate people from pucks and stuff like that. And um, you know, and it allowed. Bar, you know, I thought l- Barsi got some extra pucks because uh, Ross got in there, and you know he can skate pretty well. So the thought process was to to have that. I thought uh, it, it gives you some flexibility there, and if you know you can you can always you know if you're looking for something different, you can always slide someone during the game. But I I um, I just felt that you know we, we're we're all about team, and uh, you know we're relying heavily on our, our, our or top six or seven guys all year, and um, you know lately they just didn't have the the same sort of predictability in their game. So we uh, we try to spread it out, and you know we've got a lot of games here, which is the the second thought about this whole thing is we got lots of travel, we got lots of games in this this month, and uh, you're going to have to go four deep, and you're going to have to use everybody to, to, to have success.
1: Barry Trotz after the game talking about why he put Rosh Johnston on that top line invoking Anders Lee's name and some of the things that are similar between Ross Johnston and the Islanders captain. Uh, that was a little bit of a surprise but he's an underrated skater um, able to create space for, for players like Matt Barzell uh, really interesting. We'll see if he sticks with it obviously after wins, um, sometimes you end up going with the same lineup so we'll see if um, Saturday night in Dallas, Ross Johnston is back on that top top wing. And um, the analogy he used during that clip is something he also uh, had done during the morning skate. And they played during the pregame show last night was the analogy around, um, you know, not needing to have to paint a Picasso and, and just sometimes you need the the large broad paint strokes just to paint the barn as opposed to painting the masterpiece. And the, the point he was trying to make with that analogy is that the Islanders being predictable and maybe even being boring at times, is better for this team. Their results are better when they're predictable, right? When they don't try to do too much, Uh, when they end up having predictable behavior and types of shifts and work ethics across all four lines, they give up less goals, they score more goals, they have more chances. And he must be pointing out things to them on tape to say, you guys are getting out of the predictable behavior that we are teaching in our structure. And that has led to some breakdowns, which have led to goals or an effective play in the offensive zone. So by putting someone like Ross Johnson in the lineup, he's saying, I'm not going to ask Ross, and he may not have the ability to go out and try to paint a Picasso, but what he will do is the very basic, predictable things we are expecting our players to do, and that trickled down maybe throughout the course of the entire lineup and obviously had really good results, at least for one night during the 3-2 overtime win against the Vegas Knights Thursday night at the Coliseum. couple more notes before we take a break. These courtesy, of course, by Eric Hornick, the Islanders statistician. Uh, the overtime goal for the Islanders was the first since Josh Bailey made Barry Trotz a winner in Carolina in his first game as Islanders coach. We remember that. And uh, Bailey with an assist last night, he now passed Bob Bourne for 10th on the all-time list, team list, assists and he now has a helper in four straight games so uh, first the games played list he passes Bob Warren on and now has passed him as well on the team's all time assist list when we come back Nick Prasad at Isles Territory will join us you're listening to PT Isles on the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg this is the deal P.T. Isles, Joe Bono, Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network, and I'm joined now by the man behind the At Isles Territory Twitter account, that's Nick Persad. and he joins me now. Nick, how you doing?
2: I'm good. How are you, Joe?
1: I'm doing quite well. So for those of you who don't follow At Isles Territory, first, what are you waiting for? Um, came onto the scene sometime last year now well over 3,000 followers. And, and Nick, what you do is, un- what's unique to Isle's Twitter is that you specialize in creating these like MSG network quality production hype videos. <laughs> um, tell us in terms of how this account started, why did it start, and um, what the process is like uh, putting together these videos for the fans.
2: Um, so I started this account at uh, the beginning of, last season um i originally i the first video i made actually was when i was a sophomore in college and that was after we lost to the capitals in the first round and you know it was the the end of the coliseum days we thought and so i made a farewell tribute honestly just out of feeling you know because like every other Islanders fan you know we were all hurt that it was the end of the coliseum so i made that and actually did really well and didn't think too much about that um The following season after that, I made a hype video um, again just randomly, and it did really well on YouTube and social media. I posted it from my personal page, and then it was, you know, the start of the 2018 19 season, and you know I really love making these you know hype videos, and you know I thought why not put it to, you know, a fan page, and I created Alice Territory and that's when I started posting these hype videos and fans started saying that they loved each video. And from there, you know, everyone has told me my videos, they get better and better each time. And, you know, I really, I, I put a lot of thought into these videos. They usually take, you know, the the big hypes, they take around, you know, a week, a week and a half. Um, The small ones I try to do, you know, like the past for the past couple of months, I posted like a couple of ones. Those take probably like a day. Um I put a lot of thought into these but it's just, you know, the fact that the Albus families they you know they really love these videos and that's what drives me to keep making these
1: is your background in anything to do with video making whatsoever, are you self taught in terms of how to do this with uh, certain software on your on your pc or is this something you did in college and you took those skill sets and said you know why don't I do this with the you know for the team I I
2: follow and, mm-hmm. and, and I love in the New York Islanders everything was self-taught um, I originally started on iMovie actually I know that's like pretty simple but that's where I started making the videos and then I transitioned over to Adobe Premiere which is um, I know which is like what like everyone uses now and I'm pretty like proficient in Adobe Premiere now, and you know that's what I used to make these videos. But everything was from the beginning was self-taught. I didn't take any classes or anything. And you know, obviously, I think that there's a lot more that I can learn. If, you know, obviously, I want to have a career in this because you know people tell me that I can. Um, there's definitely a lot more that I can learn, but um, everything was self-taught.
1: And um, what is the most difficult part, and what takes the most time? Is it kind of going back? Uh, through clips on nhl.com islanders website youtube etc to find uh the different clips and then try to piece it out in your mind as to how the progression is going to be is that is what is most time consuming
2: yeah that i would say that's what takes up most of the time just going back and you know online you can find so many different angles of just one goal and it's you know so hard to piece it you know with the music and you know what angle fits you know at the right part um so i definitely yeah that is definitely the toughest part just going back and finding you know that right angle because there is like around four or five different angles of just one goal so just going back and getting those videos i would say is definitely the most difficult
1: yeah the part that i'm always really impressed with when i watch your videos too is that you are also uh making sure that uh, um Kind of a peak in a, in a in a music that you select matches off with the highlight, right so i I'm guessing yeah. you know trying to get it down to the the millisecond you know I don't think people sometimes appreciate how long like a three minute video may take to get
2: something like mm-hmm.
1: that you know just right
2: yeah, um so I originally when I started making the videos, I used just mainstream songs, you know dance songs or the first video of the farewell did I did see you again, it was a Wiz Khalifa, I think song and You know, I transition more into, like, the dramatic, I would say, dramatic, dark, hype, you know, type music. That's what I look for when, you know, when I'm trying to, you know, make a video. I, you know, just search up on YouTube. I just search up, you know, dark, you know, hybrid music. And all these songs come up, and I just pick which one, you know, I feel, you know, which one feels right.
1: So what has been kind of like the most surprising response or maybe follow that you've gotten from Miles Twitter um, in the two years that you have gotten in? I mean, I've been doing this too now a long time, longer than I can believe in terms of, you know, being in it in terms of uh, having a Twitter account and trying to be on and following the news and trying to come up with smart, witty, clever stuff. What was the biggest aha moment for you? Um, and my feeling was, my feeling is it's not one of your hype
2: video videos. It's really one of your, one of your memes you've done. Mm. So I would say that's, you know, I would say, honestly, what you said, the Grim Reaper meme is probably the biggest. I did not expect it to get that big, to be honest, you know, for it to be on like TSN and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, when I, you know, honestly, I, you know, people do think that I did like start it, but I've seen it before. I know the Sabres used it last year when they won their 10 games in a row. And when the Islanders won four or five in a row, I, you know, just put that together and I just put it out there. And, you know, I I don't think anyone else thought it would get to, you know, 10 games. So I just kept it going and, you know, get like thousands of likes. So I definitely didn't expect, you know, the Grim Reaper meme to, you know, get as big as it uh, was.
1: And and for me, correct me if I'm wrong, when the Islanders blew that 3-0 lead at home to the Penguins and lost in overtime, The official Penguin Twitter account kind of took your meme, and instead of the Grim Reaper knocking on the door, the Penguin kicked in the door and knocked over the Grim Reaper, right? Yeah. Um, You know, honestly, I—I
0: mean, that's got to be crazy,
1: right? That's got to be crazy for you to start this account, and then the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, official Twitter account is essentially you know, you know, chirping back at you uh, based on a meme you created on a whim.
2: It's um, it's honestly crazy. I was just, you know, honestly, I I had the meme ready. And, you know, I was on Twitter after the loss. And on Twitter, you know how you get, the, like, the blue notification at the bottom. And then it said, Pittsburgh Penguins reply to you. And I was like, it's probably some just fan account. And I clicked on it. You know, it's verified and everything. You know, honestly, I was in <laughs> shock. It, you, know, then, you know, it was, you know, it's just great content. you know, you got to appreciate, you know, the way they set that up. And I, as you said before, I just find it crazy that they – they had that ready, you know, for a meme that you know I started, you know.
1: Right, like they were, they were following what was going on in the Islanders sphere uh, to know that if and when, not only if and when they won, they would use it, but to know that it was as popular as it was amongst Islander circles that it would that it would resonate as well.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, that was really
1: interesting. So let's just um, – I a young guy, a few years out of college, but uh, what's kind of your background and, and connection with the Islanders? When did you start following the team? Um, t- Take us through kind of your Islander fandom.
2: So I feel like this is like the same story for every other Islanders fan, but, you know, as a kid, basically the best memories that I've had was just going to games at the Coliseum with my dad. Um, even though the team wasn't the best, you know – 10 minutes from the Coliseum, nothing beats just going to a game on a Saturday night, um, you know, honestly, with your family. And, you know, growing up, you know, watching games on TV, uh, I would say they, you know, I'm a pretty big fan of, you know, other teams too, but the Islanders are definitely my number one just for the fact that I was able to go to games as a kid. And, um, you know, it's just, I think it's just like going to the games and just, just a family environment, you know, the Coliseum is just, honestly, to me, you know, it's pretty biased, but the best place to watch a hockey game still is today, and, you know, you know, growing up, and I think that, you know, even when I went to college, I was um up in Buffalo, and it was pretty hard for me to follow the team, considering I couldn't be able to watch them, so, you know, streaming games and stuff, but I think it's just the fact that I was able to, you know, come along and follow this, you know, team on Twitter is just, you know, incredible, and I did not think that, you know, me starting a fan page, you know, specifically for hype videos, which I, you know, started randomly, I didn't think it would, you know, be this big, you know. I'm honestly, like, I'm honestly pretty happy and, you know, proud to see that, you know, the Honest fan base, you know, you know, it's it's just great to see, you know.
1: So I want you to be honest with me for a second because, you know, I think you know when you start one of these accounts and um, the following starts ticking up. There's now like an expectation for you to deliver, right? And yeah. you know, I feel that myself with whether it's you know gifts and videos and updates and commentary yeah. on breaking news throughout the day, or this podcast once a week. And and life gets busy and life gets challenging, and you still need to put this out. <laughs> Is there ever times when you're like, oh damn, I'm going to have to spend another week putting together a hype video? Um, Yeah, I mean, there are those
2: times um, where I'm like, you know, these fans, you know, they want another one. So I have to do, you know, it's something that I have to do. Um, It's not like I feel like it's an obligation because I do love to do it. But it's, um, you know, just like when it's like, oh, I have to make hype video. I got to go through all these clips and stuff. You know, it is like a little frustrating. But at the same time, I know that, you know, there is a family that is waiting for these hype videos. So that's what drives me to, you know, keep making these.
1: Is there any subject matter you want to tackle beyond, say, just kind of a hype video specific to what the team is going through now? Are there any kind of themes looking back on Islander history or forward thinking that uh, you might want to maybe tell us about that maybe you're thinking about getting to at some point?
2: Um, I wouldn't say, like, I, I don't really think about, like, um, starting stuff. Like, you know, in the future, obviously, you know, like the playoff fights and stuff, I'll – um you know, hopefully, I mean, we'll make the playoffs this year. I'll have one out, um, a midseason hype and stuff. But the team this year, I mean, it's just, you know, another just season of proving people wrong. You know, I, know, I see like you, um, you know, you have a polling line that says Pro- prove people wrong again. That's, you know, that's what the team is doing. You know, it's it's great to see. And, you know, people s- still think that, you know, we'll fall off. But I just don't see that happening, especially with um Barry, you know, running this team, you know.
1: No, I hear you. What's I hear you whatsoever. Well, listen, and I want to. I don't want to put this on you. I'm not demanding it, et cetera, But maybe like a holiday themed hype video, some Christmas music. I'm just. Ooh, again, that's, a just it, that's a good idea. Just floating it out there. I'm not trying to. You know, all I want for Christmas is you. Pictures of Barry Trotz. I, I'm not. I'm not saying that has to happen, Nick. I'm just saying. I think people would enjoy
2: that, it. No, that, <laughs> so that is a very good idea, and I know. I know Islanders, this Islander families, they would love a video like that. So I would say, all right, when this when this airs, if Islander fans, if they want that, they can reply, and I'll have it out by uh by Christmas.
1: All right, what is it, December December sixth? I am gonna put this out later on today, so that gives you about you know three and a half four. It's 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 kind of it's kind of tight, but um again, I didn't want to put the pressure on you, but feels feels right I, um. I work best on the practice, don't worry. No, I love it. All right, well, Nick Prasad at Isles Territory. Again, if you're not following him now, please do uh, go back. And and if you haven't watched the videos before, you can just kind of go back through the feed and find them. And uh, I look forward to them Whenever it is, again, no pressure, um, whether or not it's uh, for the holiday season or or for the playoffs, I think what you're doing is fantastic. It's different. It's a different type of spin, I think, for Isles Twitter. It just kind of speaks to the overall content and uh, how many talented people we have in Islanders country that uh, spend their time putting forth a really great effort to contribute uh, this type of quality content for the rest of the fan base. So Nick, keep it up. Thanks a lot. And uh, we'll talk soon, buddy. All
2: right. Thank you so much, Joe.
1: And before we wrap up, um, I want to touch on this. The team has recently put out tweet after tweet, after tweet photo, after photo, after photo of Islander, fisherman logo fisherman themed merchandise. And of course this has the polarizing effect as it always does, um, amongst the fan base. And, um, listen, without question, and we've seen this kind of slowly happen and never really happen with the full push as it did earlier in this week. But this Islanders ownership has decided to embrace the logo from a marketing standpoint. And, um, Someone told me earlier today someone that would know that when it came to p- the pro shop and the sales over the recent few days, these have been the biggest days of the year um, for the Islanders, based on the fisherman logo merchandise and apparel that has been sold, the, the caps, the knitted, um, the knitted hats, shirts, etc., and so on. Um, where do I stand on it? Um, you know, as Arthur Staple um, said um, during one of his recent podcasts, it's uh, you know it's a silly part of the Islanders' past. And um, for, for me, um, the fisherman jersey is either awesome or it's awesomely bad. But it's not, it's not bad. It's not something I get upset or angry about. Now, I'm 37 years old. I was 14, 15 years old when the jersey came out. I, I purchased it. I have a white fisherman jersey. I also have the uh, fisherman jersey, but with the Islander traditional logo, which I changed for the following year as a third jersey and then came completely back the year after that. My thought on this is that, When the team is playing like they are on the ice, and there's so much good news as there is off the ice in terms of ownership and the momentum towards Belmont, it's a lot easier to look at that silly part of their past, smile about it, and think it's kind of cool. And think it's a little bit of a cult classic type thing that you have to understand if you're 22, 23, 24 years old, and you're going to Islander games now with your own hard-earned money after graduating college, you were not born when these jerseys came out and when that logo came out. You may have read books about it. You may have read the Nick Hershon book about it. You may have gone back to the We Want Fish Sticks, Peter Boddy, Alan Hahn book to kind of just know about that period of Islander history, all of those things. Still, you don't have a visceral reaction by seeing that logo. Now, at the same time, there are members of the fan base that were on the protest lines out there trying to save the logo that were openly against it and pleading with other fans and pleading with ownership and whomever was going to be in charge to get rid of that logo. So for them to see it again, and not only see it again, to be popular amongst a group of fans that weren't around at that time, I kind of get it. Because they fought so hard against it, but it is 20, almost 25 years later, and I think there is certainly, um, I think the sales show it. There is certainly a, a market for this, and there's a cool factor with it for a particular part of the fan base. And I do not think it's just limited to the 25 and under crowd. I think there are plenty of fans above that that would wear those. Uh, jerseys or merchandise, myself may be included. The real question for me is whether or not they are testing the the waters as to whether or not the Fisherman logo and jersey should eventually be an alternative third jersey for the Islanders. And that'll be really interesting because right now, if you don't want to see it, you really don't have to see it. You don't have to purchase it. Um, The worst you may have to deal with our fans, the left or right of you, at an Islanders home game, wearing the jersey. And I think most people can put up with that. But if the team is wearing it 12 times a game a season on potentially home ice, uh, the jersey and logo that maybe you were so vehemently against and maybe you were one of those season ticket holders at the time that was um, part of the Save the Logo um, opposition um, to try to get it changed, might be something that'd be quite difficult to swallow. So maybe maybe that's a consideration for the franchise. Maybe it's not. Um, be interesting to see if they chose to go down that road and risk alienating 25, 30, 35 percent of the fan base um, to kind of capitalize on the on the cool factor um, that the certainly that the, this jersey and logo has uh, 20 25 years later. So. Uh, we'll see where it's going, but right now people are buying it, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of, um, a lot of gifts giving um, underneath people's Christmas trees. And when they open up, it's going to be Fisherman logo merchandise uh, from the Pro Shop in recent days. So that'll do it for this episode of PT Isles. Next up for the Islanders, they travel to Dallas a nine o'clock start on Saturday night to battle the Stars. I need to stay up for that game. I could not make it past the second period for that West Coast trip against the California teams. I'm sorry, not with a 5:30 alarm clock and a full work day. And you know what the best part is? I didn't see them lose because I was asleep uh, for for those uh The King and the Ducks. Uh, On Monday night, the Islanders travel to Tampa to take on the Lightning, and then a few days later, they are in Sunrise, Florida to battle the Panthers. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at IslesBlog, and make sure you don't miss this and any future Lighthouse Hockey podcast by following all the shows on Twitter at Podcast. We'll talk to you next week, Islanders country. Good night.